Welcome to Emmaus Way. We'll start with our call to gather, The Choice, by Nate Klug. To stand for once outside my faith, to steady it, caught and squirming on a stick, up to mind's inviting light, and name it for all its faults and facets, or keep waiting to be claimed in it. Welcome to Emmaus Way. We're a community captivated by the gospel, trying to see what God is doing in, the, in Durham and elsewhere and participate in it. Um, our community prayer <coughs> is the Lord's Prayer from the New Zealand Prayer Book. Eternal Spirit, Earth Maker, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, loving God in whom is heaven, the howling of your name echoes through the universe, the way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the earth, your heavenly will be done by all created beings, your commonwealth of peace and freedom, sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. Well, thanks, Elizabeth. If you are like me, you are feeling something of a late summer rush. Amanda started school like over a month ago, but somehow everyone's calendar seems to have convened for me in the last week such that, yeah, I feel like I've been at least a dozen places in the last 10 days in some significant way. So if you're feeling that, welcome to that space. If you haven't, go, I guess get ready. Um, There's always been a community that has sort of moved around the academic calendar in one way or another. Um, And so we are finishing up uh, a summer conversation that's been uh, really focused on this community and a time of discernment for this community and kind of getting ready to take on some new things and new direction in the fall. In a lot of ways, our year sort of starts Um, On that last Sunday of August, first Sunday of Labor Day, traditionally we've seen a lot of new faces around that time, people coming in with grad schools or like work for the first time and those sorts of things. So we're kind of sitting in the middle of that rhythm. This will be kind of the last Sunday. We're looking to wrap up our summer series in some way. Molly's off with James celebrating his 30th birthday at a lake uh, uh, location undisclosed. I can't remember. Where? Lake Norman, oh, okay, yeah, that's a swanky lake. So yeah, that's, um, so that's where they are. Rhody is sort of finishing up her second week uh, at uh, MFA program in Seattle and will be back with us for about a month before she moves out to the call in Texas that she accepted a few weeks ago. So yeah, a lot of moving pieces staff-wise and otherwise and we're sitting here and trying to wrap out the summer conversation that has been 
um, really focused, maybe the one thing we said every week and invited every week is that we wanted to have a conversation this summer about how Emmaus Way is together and how we desire to be together. 13, 14 years into this community, after some seasons of change in terms of space and staff in the recent past, and change for a lot of people in this community whose life situation, kids have showed up for the first time, or people, yeah, just finding themselves in a different phase or season of life. What new way, what new ways might we be together? And that's coming off maybe a bigger conversation that we started last fall around the idea of witness and kinship in which we were really leaning in and asking, frankly, what is a church for? in the world that's left, that's been handed to us, that we walk in with the detrius of or the, the grains of hope of on us every week. What is a church for? What is this church for? What is Emmaus Way in Durham right now in this time for? And driving that into the summer into conversation about how we want to be that sort of community and that sort of time together. We've traced through a lot of things this summer. Uh, we talked about naming the spirit at work in really specific ways that we've seen at Emmaus Way. We talked about where the life that's come out of this community for us individually that we've seen together. We talked about where this new burgeoning group of children that are with us and part of us, what they mean and how to incorporate them and us into them as this church community. We've talked about where we wanted to see our connection to Emmaus Way or people at Emmaus Way grow. Uh, and then the last several weeks, we've really leaned into this conversation about belief and practice for a community that was founded in some ways oppositional to the idea that a faith community would be founded around right belief. That we've said we're going to be a community of practice. What does it mean to take that idea of belief and put it in tension with the practice-based community that we've been? What does it mean to take on some things, to reclaim some things, that for many of us we may have left aside for good reason somewhere along the way in terms of taking a collective belief claim and feeling that on us. Last week, and this is specifically a move forward that we're coming from, and I wanna, and last week we sat in circle for I guess the fifth or sixth time this summer and we talked, the question was around the gospel and this idea that Emmaus has always described itself as a community captivated by the gospel and we chose that word, I think, very strategically in that it says a lot, but it also leaves a lot of space open. And so we asked everyone in the circle to sort of name either a way that that captivated by the gospel felt like a really good space for them or something they've liked about that, something they've wrestled about with that word or that language, or alternately, just to take a different word and say, if I were gonna put a different verb in front of gospel, what different word might I choose? And we heard some really good ones. We heard some really good ones that I'm not specifically gonna name, but you're welcome to throw in. Right? But we took five that seemed to really not just pull out of that conversation, but also over the course of the conversation we've had this summer and even this year in some ways, could be really good ways to move, to wrap up and also to move forward. And so we're gonna take these five words, confronted, captivated, obligated, liberated, and lived, and we're gonna sort of move through them tonight. Adam's chosen songs that are attached to each of those words in some way, and we're gonna sort of pause alongside those, Adam, the songs Adam's giving us to just reflect on this word, 
Um, and we'll, we'll sort of recap them. Some of the people that said them are in the room, so Brandon, maybe get ready to recap your confronted. But, um, but yeah, to use these words as a way to say, looking back on this summer at Emmaus Way, on my life on the Emmaus Way, where have I been confronted? Where have I been captivated? And if this is a space whose possibility comes in some way, now or looking forward, by being a space for confrontation, for captivation, what, what, what does that pull up for me? So yeah, as, as we're going to pass the piece, wanted you to have that bouncing around in your head and we'll come back. Adam will start us off in song and we'll sort of go through these five terms as a way of maybe trying to sit in where we've been um, some this summer and then look ahead toward where we're going uh, in the fall. So now you're fully prepped. Um, and I, yeah, I'd invite you to pass the peace of Christ to each other as we always do. There's, I'm not sure what's, are there snacks back there? Did somebody, oh, there are snacks and there is coffee and not water yet, but we can get some. All right, pass the peace of Christ to each other. sanctuaries cross the valleys and streams for they're deep and they're wide and the world's on its side and time is running backwards and so is the bride ring them bells St. Peter where the four winds blow Ring them bells with an iron hand so the people will know. Oh, it's rush hour now on the wheel and the plow. And the sun is going down upon the sacred cow. Ring them bells, sweet Martha, for the poor man's son. Ring them bells so the world will know that God is one. Oh, the shepherd is asleep where the willows weep. And the mountains are filled with large sheep. Ring them bells for the blind and the deaf. Ring them bells for all of us who are left. Ring them bells for the chosen few Who will judge the many when the game is through Oh, ring them bells for the time that flies For the child that cries when innocence dies Ring them bells, St. Catherine, from the top of the room. 
Bring them from the fortress for the lilies that bloom. Oh, the lines are long and the fighting is strong. And they're breaking down the distance between right and wrong. Thanks, Adam. And Adam and I have conferred and decided he will just sort of perch over my shoulder. So whatever sort of faces, commentary that ensue, I trust you to deal with it appropriately. Um, it's very disconcerting in a base way. Yeah, that's like you never, that's one thing you never have. It's like somebody. Um, so, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just, <clears throat> but uh, I'll, all that aside, um, Brandon's here, and uh, I, yeah, Brandon spoke right before me in the circle last time, and just, yeah, immediately when he introduced this idea of confrontation, it sort of like really, it just, yeah, it became a big idea in my mind that latched together so many things about my experience in Mace Way, about what we were talking to this summer, it felt like a good place to start, and since Brandon's here, you can sort of recap that a little bit. Uh, yeah, so I think we we're talking about like out of what sorts of verbs we might use to describe our relationship with something called the gospel. And as a historian, as a historian of uh, colonial Americas, um, you know, as, as I think about Christianity, it's hard for me to think about it outside of the violence that has accompanied it in its growth. And um, so I've struggled with how to talk about religion in early America in particular um, in the context of European and indigenous interaction. And I think, you know, one way is to forefront violence and the asymmetrical power that these European colonies uh, brought. Uh, but another way is to forefront indigenous agency and creativity and survival and, uh, in the midst of it. Um, and so I've landed upon, after trying a lot of different terms, the term confrontation to describe that. And it's because I think in English that term gets at the sort of violence and issues of power that are inherent with the arrival of Christianity in this continent. Um, but it also, in Spanish, confrontación has this idea of bringing two things beside each other. And it's, it's there in the Latin too, like con, you know, meaning with, front to face. Two things to face uh, together for the purpose of comparison and creativity. Uh, so that you can know each side better. And so I, I introduced that as a term that might get at this tension that maybe some of us feel around some of the negativity of the legacy of the gospel, but also the hope of something creative and new that might come out of that. Yeah. Thank you, Brandon. And so in proof that the spirit is alive and well in Emmaus way, Jeff came up to me during the break and had an announcement that he did not share earlier but I've encouraged him to share with us now. So this is Song, Brandon, and Jeff's going to talk. So um, this has to do with um, commemorating 400 years of African-American history and culture, and it's an invitation to participate in a national day, a national bell ringing day. Um, next Sunday, uh, August 25th from 3 to 5, um, lots of churches in the area, and um, specifically the church that I attend, St. Philip's, um, will ring their bells for one minute at 3 o'clock, and then there's a service after that. Um, 
commemorates uh, and honors the first enslaved Africans who landed in English North America in 1619 on August 25th. And so um, the bells are going to ring for a minute. It's a National Park Service thing. They're also doing it at Fort Monroe, Virginia, where, some, where this boat first landed. Um, and um, the Episcopal Bishop Michael Curry is going to be in attendance at that service. And um, uh, some of our bishops are going to be doing this thing also. And um, the name of the book, there's 20 and odd African men and women at uh, Point Comfort. And uh, they were actually stolen by English privateers. There's, there's a, I can show you the, the website that where this announcement is, but um, it'll be uh, three o'clock downtown at St. Philip's, where it'll be tolling these bells um, to, I think, to honor um, our African American heritage and start some forgiving time. Thanks for. Yeah, just naming that, and I think Adam and I were talking about this song this week as like a difficult one to interpret in the sense that the bells seeming to be ringing regardless of so much that's going on in the song, some good and some bad. Brandon's talking about the history, right, of, of Christianity arriving on this continent and what it brought with it, who it brought with it. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's a better way to introduce this concept or this question than maybe putting some of those things next to each other. So if, if Emmaus Way is a place where we've been confronted, if it's a space where we might take on and find meaning or possibility in that type of confrontation, on our summer conversation, looking forward, looking back on your own history of Emmaus Way, what, what are some things that that brings up for you? For me, it's been a place where you know, I grew up with a certain understanding of the gospel as we use that term. And, um, you know, we've been around people that understand that term differently. And it's been, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's helped expand my understanding. It's helped me sort of realize that, um, you know, while I felt like when I was younger, I knew a lot more than I know now but about a lot of things, but particularly about the gospel. And so, um, it's kind of given me humility and ability to appreciate differences. Uh, it's also been challenging, you know. It's been challenging to to have to sort of think through things that um, you know are held sacred and kind of examine and critically. Maybe maybe one or two more confronted the the violence of good news or. The good news is violence. Sometimes what is good news unsettles us um, in ways that are confrontational. So yeah. Place where you felt that sort of tension or noticed it or would like to in this space. I think uh, like just, you know, claiming like or, or, or exposing ourselves to history that you might not only find in a church is educational. I mean, I think a lot of us get a lot of that information that history wasn't what we were taught in school and things like that. And, you know, this could be one space where we continue to open that up and, and 
you know, even it might be simple things about rethinking it, a space where that's open is, is something that's to be welcomed. I feel like my whole time in the has been confrontational with regards to the gospel, so there's like a few uh, things I can think of. But I really like what Brandon said about the other side of confrontation being the creativity and resourcefulness of communities that have been impacted by the violence. Um, religion, nationalism, all these things mixed together. Um, specifically, one example that comes to mind is when we talk about Standing Rock, solidarity um, with folks as being um, a way to live the gospel, and also womanism, like the African-American man, um, imagination of how to work within a theology that is making no room for them, mm -hmm. um, and being just creative and flexing with it, and then finding joy and like finding life and making whole new vocabularies. And um, I think that's part of confrontation for me is one that I just want to mine. Like, sorry, that's a, such a colonial word. Um, <laughs> I want to compare to. You. Um, I want to like spend time with. I want to just absorb. Um, Mm. Mm. Thanks, SK. So, to sort of, pattern, that, this is rich, right? And we're starting here. I'm going to keep adding these words. So, feel free as you're listening to these songs that are playing, like, the, the, the things that the songs call out for you, ways that these words start to bounce off each other. Things that I, I, I hope we're naming with some of these, like the real tensions that not just we've had as a conversation but some of the things that really are operative and like generative tensions for us um, as yeah as a community of people wrestling with faith so Adam take us forward if I showed up in the shape of a storm Would you recognize me? Strange as it seems, I have known you before But it was not our time yet If I go sailing into the unknown what are my chances of ever reaching your shore? Into the deep I'm thrown. If I knew how, I would make myself known. Cause the sky to open And strange as it seems I once stood at your door Yet I knew not what your name was And if I go sailing Into the unknown 
What are my chances of ever reaching your shore? And if I go sailing into the unknown, into the deep Adam, in what way is this a captivating song? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I liked about... I, I didn't get to participate last week, but Ben was doing his best to kind of communicate some of what was meant by some of these words. And one of the things that was interesting about Captivated is... Uh, I spend a lot of my time around faith communities that mean a very specific thing by that, which is kind of like romanced and infatuated and um, like bound together with. Um, But here it um, seems like it meant something quite different and distinct from that, that it meant uh, like maybe a kind of intriguing infatuation, but at a a little bit of a distance that it, it didn't imply a kind of binding together in an immediate sense. Um, or a cap, like a captive, captor, capture kind of sense. But um, and so, what I thought was interesting about this Damien Gerardo song is um, the inquiry is interesting. That there's not a definitive, um, there's not a definitive claim that's being made, uh, which I find interesting. Um, the kind of speculative nature of it is interesting. And the notion of a kind of return is interesting based on some of the history of conversations I've heard here at Emmaus Way, that there was a kind of faith home, a departure, and now a kind of um, at least examination, if not a kind of return to at least the conversation about the gospel or faith. Um, and I like that the initial kind of return is um, like antagonistic. If I showed up in the face, in the shape of a storm, would you recognize me? I, yeah, I thought this was a really great choice from Adam, is the idea of, we were talking about the gospel last week, but Emmaus Way is a space that is a deep thing that is like compelling at the same time it is like huge and like to move around in and be confronted by, I thought there was a lot here. We've talked about being captivated by the gospel, but if life at Emmaus Way, if something about this community has been captivating to you, if this, one of the possibilities of the space is to be captivated, um, yeah, what kind of hope has that brought or does that bring, yeah, where have, what does it mean to be a captivating community or captivated? Yeah, so there are parts of being captivated that are similar to being confronted in my mind. I I would find it easier to talk about being captivated by the gospel, but in being captivated by a man's way, there is um, there's a part about being captivated where things, you're called to do things that are against your will. And 
Um, I, one, one could put that in a very negative light, saying, like, I'd rather stay home and drink wine than come to church. You know, that, that, that'd be one thing that it sometimes, you know, comes across my mind. But, um, <laughs> bring the wine, Jim. <laughs> One will be Jim's. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are some things that I get confronted about because I'm captivated by this community, because I come, because I um, stick with this group and listen to the stories and um, listen to the things said to me about that, that don't come naturally to my mind. And in, in choosing to stay in that place, I get confronted by things, I get changed by things, and, um, and I'm thankful for that. So, um, yeah, I would, I would put them next to each other, the, the captivation and the confronting. Yeah. Someone else? A captivating community, either what has it offered, what could it offer? What's exciting about that sort of community? or that sort of gospel, or that sort of God. This is kind of hard for me to explain, but um, I find that this song really, really speaks to me because I feel like many of us are kind of floating along and we're kind of washing up on shore and then go back out, wash up on shore, walk back. And we have the freedom to do that. Now, I'm comparing it to a fellowship where people go after you and they, you know, they want to know where you're at, what are you doing, uh, where were you, blah, blah, blah. And we're not, it's, we're not like that. You know, you can, and that is captivating to me that my little boat can wash up. And it can go back out a little bit, come back up. And there's people there that will help me get out of the boat, but no one is going to hit me over the head with a... With an oar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so that's... Mm. To me, it's when something's captivating to it, it sort of redefines what's possible. Um, and I think, I think about the first time Ebbs and I came to Emmaus Way, that Sunday, we finished the dialogue with a, with a guided meditation. And I feel like meditation is a lot more in vogue these days in the mainstream, but like, you know, for a long time, I feel like meditation would, you know, had a lot of sort of uh, was associated with Eastern religions and like, you know, I, we, I come from Southern Baptists, you know, background. And so, you know, <coughs> we, Ebbs being a yoga teacher and whatever, you know, we were very receptive to that, but it had never, we had never seen the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that first Sunday that really hooked us was like, wow, this is possible a different way of doing church, a different way of engaging the gospel with each other with God. And, um, and that was captivating. Anyone else? When I hear captivated, um, it makes me think about art. Like there's, a, 
there, I'm in a lot of communities where people are very, you know, they're fanatics about something, you know, some piece of art, and maybe something very pop cultural, maybe Marvel movies or the Lord of the Rings or whatever. But right, people take that stuff and you know they hold up the light, and they examine it, and they they you know, there's a million different opinions about every single point, and you can find you know how does this apply to me, but you know, what point could this happen? You know, people really just dig into it, examine it, and that that to me feels like how we treat the gospel week to week, and that we we don't just take it and go, well, that's the face reading of it, but we you know we treat it as a piece of art. We dig into it and go, okay, at what point, you know, what does this mean, and how does this tie into this, and you know, when could you know, Captain America? No, uh, but you know, that, that, that it's that same sort of captivation though that people get with uh, the. the any, any sort of art that really grabs people and gets a huge community around it. Yeah, there's a difference with art, with a hobby, between reverence and, like, fascination, right? Like, yeah, that digging in and, yeah. I was taught to revere. <laughs> I was not taught to be fascinated and to pull apart. And so, yeah, that, that this community has definitely been that sort of space for me. It was like, your orientation, a positive orientation to this could be taking this and pulling it apart to figure out how it works. That could be a way to show your love um, for this thing or for God. Or, yeah. Adam, obligated. I'll say as Adam's getting ready to do this, uh, I think this was Zach's word, and he was working very hard to try and not make this strictly an obligate, like heavy, but I think it's interesting with what you, Jim, named, like I, I automatically hear obligated in that, and I think that's what Zach was trying to say in some way that calling yourself part of this community, tying yourself to a gospel, ask some things of you. Um, so take us away, Adam. Lord, I've been trying to be what I should Lord I've been trying to do what I could but each time it gets a little harder I feel the pain but I'll try again Lord I've been trying to be understood Lord I've been trying to do as you would but each time it gets a little harder and I feel the pain but I'll try again
So there's plenty of space in this one and building off of confrontation, captivation. Where is this felt like a space of obligation? In a good way, in a grounding way, in a challenging way. And if this is a space, one of the purposes of is to obligate us in some respect. What, what does that have to offer? I think I felt the best kind of obligation here when it came to small groups. And we've been privileged to be part of like a couple throughout the years and pre-child. But it was like every Wednesday night I really wanted, I wanted to go. Again, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I had to drag my feet. It's easier to sit back and go on. It's like, oh, we can go have wine with our friends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's worth it. And it keeps on being worth it. And you have a commitment to each other. And it feels like an obligation, but it feels like a good obligation. Two different uh, forms of obligation came to mind. One, I was just thinking about being part of a church community, um, specifically a smaller church, church community. There are times where um, I call it feeling obligations in terms of stepping into a volunteer list or something like that, where like, you feel like, oh, okay, you know, I got, oh, I'm on, I'm on, you know, uh, bread or whatever it is, and you start to forget about the last minute, and just kind of kind of keep yourself like, oh, I forgot. Um, but the flip side of that is, I, I, I You've chosen to be a part of that, and that doesn't mean you have to come on every list, but for me at least, I feel like I, there's times where I feel like I have to step into stuff that by being part of this church community, um, you, you feel this obligation to, in a sense, be part of a community life. I'm asking to be a part of it. There's times that I hope people feel obligations towards me because I also want to obligate towards them. The other one I thought about is I think being part of this church community is maybe realize obligations in a sense from the gospel that if we're gonna if I'm gonna be here and say this is the gospel I'm captivated by and obligated by, outside of this church community there's things that that means. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about things discussions in pub group or there are can things like that where um, I, I feel like Mayus Way has kind of put me in confrontation with things where I say, Oh yeah, I, I need to be there. I should be there because of what I've said by It's hard to walk into this room uh, and not be obligated. Even as someone that's new, like don't to connect with people, um, it's it's hard to walk in and just kind of sit in the back and disappear. Um, but you can in a lot of other churches. I can see you, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's something that I've always appreciated about this way, but it's also been hard and a difficult time on some days. I'm gonna have to talk to somebody. Like, I can't just show up and yeah. and, and kind of hide. Um, but I've also, you know, just always appreciated that. And I, I was thinking kind of similar to what David just said. I was trying to, I thought about saying this was happening, but by the gospel, but you know, I, I think I've said this before, but I had a friend and when I first moved here right after college, I went to a fairly evangelical Christian school. Um, but I, I had gone back and told you know, where I was going to church and the word, you know, back then the word emerging was thrown around a little bit more around here. Um, as an emerging church, and it's like, well, someone, and one of the women asked, what's that? And the other one answered, well, they, you know, they don't really believe in Jesus. <laughs> I was like, whoa, maybe. <laughs> um, so, I don't, they're coming from obligation means something very different. Um, obligation to the gospel, can captivate the gospel means 
going out and doing mission trips and um, you know raising money for little projects and um, raising like, having kids programs in church you know kind of the insular stuff unless it's in a country um, but here I feel very obligated to to this community to these people but also to Durham to connect with 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 what's going on here. I just, yeah, in terms of what David, I do not, even things I wouldn't lay at the feet of Emmausway specifically, it is really difficult to imagine having ended up where I have over the last 10 or 11 years if Emmausway wasn't in that equation. Putting me in conversations, inviting me into things, like situating me against people. Um, and that, yeah, just to reiterate what Brett said, like, and this is something we've named, I think we're gonna to continue to name as we go into the fall, being part of a community of this size, and not just this size, but this shape, the way that we, I'm looking at every one of you right now, this is an obligating community. And uh, that there are things that come with that and there are possibilities that come with that. Uh, Adam has a liberation song. What, in what way is this the, what, what about walls coming down is liberating to you, Adam? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What you gonna do when the wall comes down? When the wall comes down? What you ought to do is let it lie. Well, let it lie. In the gathering darkness vow to never go back. It was built by man and you can tear it down, tear it down, or oh, tear it down. Well, step back, Jack, from the darkness. What you gonna do when the shackles fall? When the shackles fall, what you ought to do is melt them down. Or melt them down. Turn them into tools and make a garden on the prison grounds. Or turn your chains to Rose's child. Or tear it down, or tear it down. Oh, step back, Jack, from the darkness But while I'm here I'm gonna sing just like a songbird What you gonna do when the hunger's gone? When the hunger's gone I'll pity the child Goes without, goes without. Give him no reason to falter on his way down. It's a beautiful world, but painful child. Oh, tear it down, oh, tear it down. Oh, step back, Jack, from the darkness. But while I'm here, I'm gonna sing just like the songbird. 
Yeah, while I'm here I'm gonna sing just like a songbird Oh Clinton, this was yours last week, and you don't have to introduce it, but I th when you said it in circles another time that I went, right, no one has said liberated. Sure. Um, might get personal. <clears throat> so, I got asked to talk one time at NMAS week because this reminds me of that time. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Sorry. Because, no, because it's a similar uh, topic kind of. When, when I first came here, I was a really angry person. Um, I had a lot of stuff happen in my life that I, I, I was very angry about. Um, and the world was a, was a crappy place. Jen uh, knows this, and many of you might. Like, my first Sunday here was the Sunday after uh, the last election. Uh, <laughs> it was a weird time to go to church, but uh, I just felt overwhelmed by life. Um, and I... I learned a new vocabulary, a new way of looking at the world, a new way of really embracing the gospel that removed that. Like, I, I feel like I, I mean, I'm a human, like I get pissed off at people all the time, but I found a way to let it go through, not, not of my own will, but through, through Christ, right, that, that I wouldn't have. Um, I feel free in a way that I wouldn't, I, you know, just like the song said about it's a beautiful world, but painful, right? Like, we all are chained. We all have those chains on us, and um, the world just, it's heavy. And this is a place where I come and I feel like that world's still there, and it's still heavy. We have a place to serve there, but I, I feel free um, here and in the past. I have a thing to add to that. But I'd love to hear from other folks. When I think of this, and <clears throat> I feel liberated at a mass way to not know the right answer and to ask questions. And I feel like in a lot of churches I've gone to over my life, the you only ask questions that you intuitively know the right answer to, um, so you kind of know what you're getting, <laughs> because you've been trained over a long period of time. So, you, you know, once you've been going to church for long enough, you can pretty much answer any question, uh, <laughs> at least at a vague level, <laughs> and uh, once you know the vocabulary, but here you kind of, kind of, you're encouraged, I think, to set that aside and um, not only ask questions yourself and not know the answer yourself, but uh, you know, embrace other people's uncertainty um, where you might not feel the same. I have one. Um, so we were back for uh, niece baptism in Milwaukee a weeks ago. And the reading in Mass was, um, uh, uh, the Gospel was, no, I can't remember one of the readings, but it was Abraham is basically negotiating with God whether how many people will take 
to save Sodom and Gomorrah and give them life. A hundred down to fifty down to ten, I think, and then the reading stopped. And I was, uh, just wanted to ask questions. Like, I need to hear the dialogue now. <laughs> 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 just like, he gave the homily, um, the um, the and then he was done. And I was looking at Sarah, like, when do we get to ask? I forgot, because it had been a while, but that's not how it's been. Like, I feel liberated, though I don't talk often, one time. Like, we'll talk afterwards when I have questions and dig deeper. Uh, some of the reflections I've had. And I really appreciate that. Feel free to do that. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Anyone else liberated? I think my response ties into the earlier, earlier question of obligating, because I. I felt something there, but I didn't know how to describe obligation because, as other people have iterated, uh, obligation in the church has a lot of times been of like acting in a certain way, um, which is interesting because usually the theology that they hold doesn't value actions as much as faith. But um, so yeah, just the fact that um, I think this community accepts the human element more and you know the true kind of understanding of grace and forgiveness and um, understanding that everyone falls short and can't live up to um, unrealistic obligations and expectations that means a lot jake did you maybe visit like the first week of this summer conversation or something like that Uh, yeah yeah so so jake shows up the first week he's been at this church and we're like all right we're talking about us all summer us what are we gonna be how are we gonna do it and he's and you've been here the whole time so for you to say that means something like i really no just deeply thank you anyone else liberated uh, I'll say the, the open table is something I don't think I had even a concept of, but the juxtaposition of the church I was loosely attending right before it made us way to communion weekly, but it was decidedly not an open table. It was your faith needed to be right, your belief needed to be right, and that was at a time where I was going through a lot of unbelief and doubt, and each week trying to decide where am I on the scale, is God okay with me having this communion or not? Um, and I didn't grow up in a church, but it's, like communion wasn't something we did regularly. So then coming somewhere where that transition from a place where I didn't feel welcome to have communion to being welcome to have communion, I, I always think about just that, um, being recognized that we're all welcome to this thing. Thanks, Dave. Neil, were you working on something? Yeah, I guess uh, when I see the word liberated, my first thought is thinking about the themes of liberation theology. And so, like, the text of the song is, like, is not figurative. Like, let's do something radical and free prisoners, right? Um, So thinking about, like, the global sense of, like, exploitation, systems of appropriating labor, um, the question of slavery, right? Like, that's, that was real liberation, material liberation of people in their material lives. So I think that a nice way does that. I think it's something you can lean into a little more. Having come straight here from a newly launched congregation in Durham that is explicitly built around the tenets of liberation theology, I really appreciate you naming that into this space, and it's something that I noticed sitting there. 
was that so much of the space that was being pushed on and carved out, I thought, in what ways would this push Emmaus Way? But at the same time, I was thinking, in what way has Emmaus Way already primed me to believe that this sort of conversation can exist in church, right? It's like, the sp- I came with my, with my already like 75% burst open and it went the rest of the way, as opposed to, yeah, so totally resonant in that space of yes, but more. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and transition us into lived because I think the song Adam's giving us is like a really lovely kind of summative, but sort of like inviting us forward sentiment. So yeah, and and that uh, I think this is something Alan brought up and again, folks, uh, Aaron, you and Alan, what, a little over a year hanging around? And so yeah, it was nice to hear Alan's voice say, this seems like a place that's concerned with living the gospel, right? Like people who have taken that on as some sense, like this needs to find your bodies and your lives and your time and your relationships. And so, yeah, I'd ask if, if Emmaus Way is a place um, out of these other conversations we're having or something new this brings up to live more fully, to live more differently, to live as if there's a gospel that's captivating and liberating. Um, or if we were going to become that space in newer ways, uh, yeah, what would you, what does that call up for you? A space to live differently, live as if, live otherwise. high overlook to the mountain side tying up to a star in the skirt of the sky you must empty your pockets of stones that light hearted you might go for you must go with the stitch of the world into the stitch of the world White is the quick of the loom and the pen And red is the mark where the needle comes in As it weaves through your heart Try not to be scared Like a bird on a string in a blanket of air You must empty your pockets of stones That light-hearted you may go must go with the stitch of the world into the stitch of the world and shape to a shadow and shadow to a dream where the mouth of the river is joined in a scene with the wind and the waves blowing in 
into the creeks at the strands of the bank sewing into your feet you must empty your pockets of stones that light-hearted you may go for you must go with the stitch of the world into the stitch of the world you must empty your pockets of stones that light-hearted you may go for you must go with the stitch of the world into the stitch of the world way as a community that's invited us to live into a God and a love or that might be that could still yet well, one thing that I uh, I guess have um, seen all my journey has been uh, I guess coming from a place of feeling an obligation to save the world uh, from itself with the gospel. Uh, to, I guess, feeling liberated that, like, that's not my responsibility. And, um, and then, you know, kind of other thoughts of, uh, you know, being able to release that pressure. Uh, <laughs> um, and then be able to take on uh, living in the moments, um, moment to moment. Um, you know, just what the thought, something popped in my head a couple of years ago, it was like, you know, in terms of the gospel and its good news and all that, if you get back to the whole Baptist thing, um, my mind kind of shifted towards like, you know, if you have changed one life, even if that life is your own, you have changed the world. Um, the trajectory of the world is not different um, than what it would have been. And, um, and so, this song kind of reminded me of like, just, it's down to the threading of the needles in the street, you know, the joints, and uh, you know, how things kind of, uh, you know, kind of build on itself to become something bigger. And, uh, and so here in this community, I find lots of different ways, um, you know, coming to intersection with the need. That's, that's really beautifully said. Mm. else the stitch of our lives the stitch of the world life in this community you still have time to be the summative statement for this conversation though Aaron's was pretty good <laughs> yeah go he's just said I have these two contrasting views of, I don't know, living God's work. Um, one of them is, as I, as I look at the stars, and I look at the number and the distance when you're in a place where you can do that. It's just so immensely humbling, and I realize that God is not efficient, God is extravagant, 
And, and when I apply that extravagance to myself, I think God could be so extravagant that I was created for a single conversation. A single conversation. And I already had it. <laughs> but, that, but then the other side of it is, I, think, I, I believe that God lives in words. It lives in our individual words. And that, um, that when a word is said, we are changed by it. And when we say a word, we, are, we change through that word. Small ones, big ones. Um, and a lot of that happens here and, and, and in our own room as well. The words that pass, I think God is passing between us in those words. And um, that's where I see a lot of the, the living in his way. Thanks, Jim. That's a pretty good summative statement, too. Um, especially in that. And, and this is to sort of forecast next week and wrap up this week. As we end this summer, we've been listening. Um, one of the things that has been beautiful about it, from my perspective, from staff's perspective, is the honesty and the authenticity and the vulnerability within this community has looked at each other and ourselves and said, there is something beautiful here, and what is here is not as beautiful as it might be. Um, and been willing to get into the granular nature of that and how do I really feel connected and where do my kids fit here and what do I do with my belief or my angst about belief in this community and how, and sitting in circle and wrestling with hearing those things bounce back at you from 25 other voices, you've leaned into that in really lovely ways and we have been listening and some of the conversation we have tonight, I think, is the possibility of what this community has to offer us every single week. And also, we want to spend some time next week to say, this is what we have heard. And here are some rhythms. Here are some specific things, particularly on Sunday, that we would like to invite this community into as roots for the kind of conversation and the type of life that we have been naming and glimpsing and grasping for and describing as worth it all summer. So come, tell the people that aren't here to come next week. It's going to be a big thing. We're going to lay out and say, hey, what if we did this this fall and this year as some new ways of being together on Sunday evening that would shake it up a little bit and that would be the roots and the rhythms of really fleshing out and filling in some of the life and possibility that we've heard, not just this summer, but tonight. With that, I would say we're gonna go to absolution. And as we've done, I think about half a dozen times, Eric is gonna give us our final one. Someone who's spent some time in this community, but not a long time in Eric's case. Yeah, where have you experienced or received absolution? And then Adam will take us in song. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about this, and uh, I kind of struggled with um, the term absolution. It's not something I'm familiar with. It, 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 to me, it goes along with like confession of sins and things like that. Um, and I remember when I came to this community, uh, I was kind of confronted by my family about my lack of church attendance. <laughs> and um, 
it kind of came out of nowhere and felt very attacked by that. Um, and so part of the reason I started coming here was that I was like, well, I'm going to reclaim that. I'm going to take my community and people I know and, and find that in myself. But one thing my, my dad did say, you know, faith is a way to find forgiveness. And that actually stuck with me. Um, and I started thinking about there's maybe some subconscious thing that I wasn't uh, forgiving with that. Um, and that's, that's how, I, how I found myself here. Um, as far as the community, I, I think this is a community that um, allows me to not know how I think about absolution. <laughs> I don't really know how I feel about that. Um, uh, one thing that experience taught me is that one-on-one um, -on -one forgiving those who we have a reconciliation with with our own people that we are friends with, our family, is, is so important. And, um, and that's where I really fall uh, on that scale right now. I think it's something we talk about a lot. I think that's something we need to remember that um, some people have experiences that break them uh, in their past and um, I think a human-to-human -human interaction with that is the way to go that. But what I appreciate from Emmaus Way is that they've allowed me to question uh, what that process is. Not coming through. Yeah, it broke this morning. Way, 
the literal and I would say the figurative center of our time together is our open table. And um, as we've gone through each of these words tonight, I would suggest that the open table is a place um, to be confronted, to be captivated, to be obligated, to be liberated, and it's a place where we live out um, whatever we're trying to do together. Um, at Emmaus Way, we don't grab for ourselves. Um, someone else uh, hands us bread or gluten-free cracker, hands us wine or juice, and says, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. And um, I would suggest that each of these are things that we don't do alone. We're not confronted usually by ourselves. Um, you can't be captivated in a vacuum. Um, you're not obligated, um, independent of something outside. Um, it's difficult to be liberated by yourself. And um, I would suggest it's, it's very, very difficult to live in isolation. Um, so as we come to the open table and try to live out, um, you're invited to, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read them again, um, you're invited to be confronted or experience that confrontacion. Um, you're invited to be captivated by the gospel. You're invited to be obligated in the best possible way. Um, you're invited to be liberated and you're invited to live. Um, welcome to the table. <laughs>